Let's uh, read our text here, Revelation 13, beginning in verse number 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea. The sand here is a representative of multitudes of people. God promised Abraham that he would make them a multitude that could not be numbered like the sand of the sea. And he said, I stood on the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. And I believe that this sea being referred to in verse number one is the Mediterranean Sea. And that this gives the geographical location. Uh, listen, so much of what goes on on planet Earth, we think about all of the news and current events, but God's focus is there in the Middle East. They're that area of the Mediterranean Sea. Why? Because that's where Israel is. And the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are always there. I understand that his eyes are in every place, beholding the evil and the good, but I also know that his attention and his timepiece, God keeps time based on what's going on in Israel. And too often we get, we are too self-centered and narcissistic thinking that everything revolves around us and America and the USA and all of that, but that's not where God's focus is. And so he says, I saw this beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power. We read about the dragon in the previous chapter, this seven-headed dragon. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast." They worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? There was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. That's three and a half years. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. And that's that spiritual warfare. This is going to be more of a tangible warfare, but that same war with the saints is what I believe I'm experiencing and feeling today and perhaps you're experiencing and feeling the same thing. War with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life. Of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear to hear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of how to recognize the Antichrist. Now, we're going to pray, but 
I want to exhort you, if you are a born-again Christian, I ask you to pray with me and not just simply listen to me pray here this morning, and that we pray and that we plead the blood of Jesus Christ and we plead the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our midst here today. I believe this is an important message, and I believe that it's something that God wants us to preach. So join me as we pray and ask for the Lord's help and for his blessings. Heavenly Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come before you, Lord, realizing that the name of Jesus is not some magical incantation. Lord, it represents all that you are, King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the Son of God. You are God manifest in the flesh. You are the Lamb that is slain from the foundation of the world, and you are the one that gave your precious blood to redeem us. And Lord, we recognize that we are in a warfare, not only today, but every day. We realize that the devil has an antichrist, a man of sin that will be revealed in his time. But in the meantime, Lord, you said and warned us that the mystery of iniquity is already at work. And Lord, there are so many things about this beast that we've seen working in our culture around us, in our nation, and in the world, and Lord, I believe that there are things that are just around the corner. So many things, Lord, that are going to be changing probably in our lifetime, maybe even within the scope of this year. And I pray, Father, that you would bless us, help us to be attentive to the Word of God, help us to listen to the Holy Spirit of God. And we just ask that by the blood of Jesus Christ, you would bind all of the devils and all of the spiritual resistance, and Lord, just cast them out of this place that we might hear from you, and above all, that you might receive the glory and honor, because you are the one that is worthy, and we thank you, Lord, that one day, all of this resistance and all of this warfare will be over, and you will be ruling and reigning with a rod of iron, you'll get the glory that is due to your holy name, and I pray, Father, that you'd bless us now as we preach your word In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I've never seen this personally, but back in the late 90s and early 2000s, a man named Val Valentino, you might know him as the masked magician, he had a program called Breaking the Magician's Code. In this program, he revealed uh, the secrets of how magician performers accomplish their illusions. Once again, I've never seen it, but I remember... I remember talking to some co-workers back then, and they were talking about what a neat show this was and how that uh, it had stirred up some controversy, and many of the illusionists and magicians were pretty upset at Val Valentino for exposing their trade secrets. Well, likewise, the Lord reveals everything necessary for us to identify the Antichrist. The problem is... Very few are listening. Look at verse number 9 once again. Right in the middle of this uh, exposing of the Antichrist, if any man have an ear, let him hear. And that is the problem, is that people aren't listening to what God has to say. And sadly, even God's people are asleep today. No doubt I'm preaching to some of you that you may be awake physically But spiritually, you're asleep. You're not receiving the Word of God. You don't have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is trying to say to you here this morning. I look at all of Christendom and I see how that 
so much of Christianity has fallen prey to the merchandising of our souls, to entertainment, and to be quite blunt here this morning, the Christian world today is filled with a bunch of suckers. Suckers to entertainment and things that are going on, and we ignore the Word of God because the average Christian is ignorant about the Word of God because they believe the lies of the devil. Well, I just don't like this King James Version of the Bible because I read it and I don't understand what it's saying. You know what? I don't understand everything about it, but I understand more today than I did when I first started reading. If you'll read this book right here, you'll understand more than you can handle problem is we've got a book here that doesn't need to be rewritten. It needs to be reread. Well, I don't understand this. Listen, there's enough in this book, even with the these and the thous, there's enough for you to understand that's going to give you some major problems in your life. Listen, who understands everything that they read? You have an insurance policy. I guarantee you most of you don't understand anything about your insurance policy. But I don't know about you, I don't want my homeowner's insurance policy written in crayon on a piece of scrap paper. I want it to be accurate. I want it to be... Listen, I'd rather have something that's accurate than something that is dumbed down and easy for me to understand. I want to read the Bible and know I'm reading the pure words of God. Let me figure out what God's trying to say rather than try to change the Word of God to suit me. And that's exactly what's happened in American Christianity today. We've watered down the Word of God, and what's happened is we have a watered-down version of Christianity. I guarantee you, and I, 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 I hope and I pray that I'm not preaching to anyone that is guilty of this, but I guarantee you, that 90% of the Christian world in America is going to or has taken their children to see the new Barbie movie that Disney put out. Well, we grew up with Barbie. It's fun and it's neat and it's cool. Let me tell you something. Preachers that are sticking with the Word of God, Disney's agenda gets worse and worse and worse with every movie that they put out and this movie is no different. Well, I don't believe in this LGBTQ stuff. Then why are you feeding it to your children? We're Christians. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Well, it's just fun. See, that's what I'm saying. That's the problem. Christians have become a bunch of suckers. And if something's fun or entertaining, then we don't care. We're going to do it anyways. And... That dinosaur preacher can just shut his mouth. Well, by the grace of God, this one doesn't plan on doing that. You know why? You say, well, you sound angry, preacher. Well, I'm angry at the devil. But I'm also angry at parents that don't have any better sense than to protect these children. Listen, Jesus said if we offend one of these little ones, it's better to have a big millstone hung around your neck and cast into the sea. I I, I don't, listen, I, I, I took some flack. My wife took some flack for some of the things that we tried to protect our children from. You say, well, you just can't protect them from all of the world. Well, okay, I know that. 
But we ought to try to protect them from at least some of it. Amen? Amen. Especially the more obvious stuff. Anyhow, that wasn't even in my notes. But we won't pass the offering plate again. It's all paid for. It's free. Now, this passage of Scripture, we'll get back to our text. Revelation 13, it is more than ironic that this text appears in chapter 13. You know, the number 13 in the Bible is associated with rebellion. You see it. In the 13th year, they rebelled. And all throughout the Scripture, you see the chapter 13. You can search that out for yourself. Not in every case, but almost in every case, you will find something in a chapter 13 that's associated with rebellion. And it is no more ironic than, get a load of this, John 6.6.6 says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. That is more than just an irony. Now, before we look at the nature of this beast, it is interesting to note the reception of this beast by the entire world. Once again, God's given us Daniel 7 and Daniel 9, and he's given us 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and Revelation 12, 13, 14, 16, 19. He's given us all of these indicators of the Antichrist And his world system and his world government, he's given us all of these, I guess we would say the the breaking the magician's code stuff. And yet, look at what it says here in our text, verse 3. And all the world wondered after the beast. Verse 4, and they worshiped the dragon and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like unto the beast? He said, well, that won't happen in America. We've got too much church going on. Uh, let me tell you something. It's already going on in America. It's just not religious yet. It's athletic. Do you, do you know, you, the, the things that people put up with among athletes just because they are entertaining comes right back to, you know, Christians and Americans are suckers. It's like, I don't care about their, they can be vile human beings. Some of these, listen, some of these athletes that our young people idolize and put posters on their walls and, I mean, go to all kinds of fanfare and expense in order to bow down and watch them dunk a basketball, hit a home run, throw a touchdown. Listen, they're, 99% of them are people that you wouldn't want living next door to you. And if you did and you had a teenage daughter, you better keep them in the house. You know I'm telling you the truth. But we spend all kinds of money for their memorabilia, their paraphernalia. Why, why do you, and, and then we gripe about them getting paid millions and millions of dollars to throw a leather ball. Where do you think that money comes from? Exactly. Exactly. Duh. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> we already got worshiping of men 
because of their abilities, natural abilities. This beast is going to show up and he's going to be like no other. If I could digress again, look at the political realm of America. Can you imagine? Who who would have thought? Listen, I, I, I understand what we're dealing with today and I understand that and I don't want to offend all of you that are, you know, huge fan of the previous regime. But in all honesty, those of you that knew about our former president and who he was and who would have ever thought he's going to be the president of the United States? I can't figure that one out. Can you? Now, I'm glad for some of the good stuff that he did. And I would, you know, if... if if that's our only choice, I hope we get him back from what we've got. Amen. For the record. I haven't mentioned any names. <laughs> but two plus two equals four. Go figure. Go figure that this is what we're dealing with. I'm telling you folks, it's supernatural. And because people only care about their side winning. And they'll put up with all kinds of putrid behavior, all kinds of nonsense, and it's nothing new, all the way back to the Clinton era. And we all know the escapades of Clinton. It was enough to impeach him, but not enough to remove him from office. Can you imagine if our founding fathers knew the escapades that would become made public of a president like him and the American public just basically yawned and said, oh, that's no big deal. Character doesn't matter. We're living in a day and age where people don't care about God and character and principles and values. They just care about me getting my way and my guy winning. Where did that came from? It came from the religion of America called athletics. Who is like unto the beast? He's amazing. Man, can you believe that beast guy? Did you hear what he said? I I like the way he said it. It just made me feel so secure, and I'm just so glad that we've got him that's in charge. Revelation 13, 8, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Verse 14, and he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do. Don't you think that Hollywood is under the influence of that seven-headed dragon and everything that we hear and see in modern times is all about supernatural things, whether it be superheroes or the occult or whether it be... um, whether it be, what was I getting ready to say? You got the Harry Potter stuff. I mentioned superheroes. Um, what else? There was something else I was going to say. It'll come to me. But you know what? Jesus spoke of this phenomenon. He warned us of it. John 5 and verse number 43. Oh, aliens. What about the alien stuff? It's all, it's everywhere. It's all, and I know that some of it is harmless entertainment, but don't you think that maybe there is just, you know, Disney doesn't even have a subtle agenda anymore. 
But all of this is just the, just the world systems. It's in our schoolhouse. Jesus spoke of this phenomenon in John 5, verse 43. He said, I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. I believe that he's prophesying here of the Antichrist that is going to come. And the whole world as a majority, with the exception of a very small remnant, they are going to fall all over themselves to accept, to adore and to worship this beast. This beast is the Antichrist. And while we see clearly in Scripture that the church will be caught up out of here before the Antichrist is revealed, nevertheless, God gives us warning and description, and not for no reason. Not for, You say, we're not going to be here. Well, maybe not when he is revealed, But that doesn't mean that the description of who he is and how he operates is not relevant to us today. 1 John 2, verse number 18. Little children, it is the last time. This is written 2,000 years ago or close to there. It is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. I'm not going to have time for it here today. If you notice, we didn't read all of chapter 13, but here in one of the messages to come, we're going to be talking about that mark of the beast. I was talking to Brother Ben Smoker before church here this evening, and he brought out some very, very, I mean, I, I still want to talk more about that, but some very interesting things about uh, someone you hear in the news almost every day, Elon Musk. And some parallels and associate. I'm not saying Elon Musk is the Antichrist. I'm just simply saying that the stage is being set. And there are things going on that are more than ironic. If you know the scripture, then you have to look at that and you have to go, wow. God knew all about this 2000. He knew about it in eternity past. So there are many antichrists. And now hold your place in Revelation 13, and I want you to go to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. This is part 1. I don't know if I'm going to get through with part 1 this morning. I guess you're probably saying, well, preacher, quit going off on everything, and you will. You know what? I, I tell you what. I, I know why I'm going off on stuff. I got the Bible right here, and it's the sword of the Spirit. And the Old Testament, you know what God said to Jeremiah? He said, cursed be he, cursed be he that use, uh, who keepeth back his sword from drawing blood. And that's what's going, you know, the pulpits in America today, it's like, I got my Bible here. It's show and tell time. Here's my sword. Isn't it shiny? Ooh, isn't it sharp? It's not a show and tell thing. It's a weapon. And you know what? If you won't, if you, if you can't handle direct preaching like this, 
then you don't have an ear to hear. Because what I'm telling you here this morning, you may not like the way I'm saying it, you may not like me, but what I'm telling you here this morning is the truth. And I'd rather hear the truth from an unpalatable source than to have something that's all sweet and tasty that's a lie. Second Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse number 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our, I love this, our gathering together unto him. I'm looking forward to that, aren't you? Lord, get us out of this mess. Verse 2, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. If you're taking this talk about the Antichrist and what's coming in the future and you're getting all nervous and worked up, and don't do it. We're not supposed to be shaken in mind by this. We're supposed to look up and say, praise the Lord, our redemption draweth nigh. If you're all worked up over a preacher telling you how horrible this world is and how worse it's going to get, then your problem is, is you're living for this world. Verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. We're seeing that, folks. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Paul said it was working back in his day. That's what we're dealing with here in this service today, in this place, the resistance, the mystery of iniquity, all of the false teachings and mentalities that are contrary to this Bible, and yet good people just can't seem to see it. It's the mystery of iniquity working, only he who now letteth will let. Mystery of iniquity is going to keep hindering, that's what that word let means, until... He be taken out of the way. When's that going to happen? It's going to happen when Jesus comes back. And that's consistent with Daniel chapter 7, the stone cut without hands. He's going to crush the kingdoms of the Antichrist. And we read about it in Revelation 19, 11 and so forth. And then, verse 8, that wicked shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. That's that seven-headed dragon that's giving the Antichrist that power and seat and authority with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceival. We'll get to verse number 10 here in just a little while. And so we need to understand that this is relevant to us even today even though we know that the church is going to be gathered up to the Lord and caught up out of here before all of this comes to complete fruition. Now, back to our text in Revelation 13. And I'm only going to have time to get to one point and maybe not even all of it here this morning. 
And so my first point is this. The Antichrist is a composite of the Gentile kingdoms. Back in Daniel's day, of course, we know about Daniel and the lion's den, but before the lion's den took place, we find that there was a king named Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, you commonly know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel and his three friends, that they were put to the test. And shortly after that, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, had this dream of this image in his head. It was a statue that had a head of gold, and it had a chest of silver, and it had a waist of bronze, and then it had two legs and feet that were made of iron. That's a degeneration of value of metals, and within that image, Daniel uh, interpreted that image. And we'll see that these beasts, that Daniel also saw the same or similar things in a beast vision... In Daniel chapter number 7. So the Antichrist is a person. He's a king. But he is also connected with these four world kingdoms. This is my opinion here. And you can do what you want with it. That I believe that these kingdoms of the world are Satan's imitation of Christ and his church. Notice we read here in Revelation 13 that the connection between the dragon and this seven-headed beast, and the connection between this beast, he's, he's a beast that has heads and horns that represent numerous kings and kingdoms. The horns all have crowns on them. And so, yes, it's a composite of kingdoms, but it's also a reference to a king or a man. I read about Christ and his church, and there's a connection there between Christ and his church. And there's also a connection with the heavenly Jerusalem and the church. And so this is, I believe, an imitation. This is Satan imitating what Christ has done. Christ's church is religious, but will one day be political. If you suffer with him... Ye shall also reign with him. It's a good thing to reign with Jesus Christ. It's a great thing. It's religious now, but it will one day be political. Satan's kingdom is right now political, but it's one day going to be very, very religious. Now, for further understanding of these beasts of Revelation 13, hold your place and go to Daniel chapter number 7. Daniel chapter number 7. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and then Daniel. Now, when it comes to Bible prophecy and all of the intricate details that we read about in Revelation 13 and 2 Thessalonians 2, Daniel chapter number 7, if you would allow me to be transparent 
and just confess to you, I shared this with Brother Max while we were up on the platform here, the verse that comes to my mind as I studied for this and as I'm preaching it here today is something that David said in the Psalms. He said, I have not exercised myself in matters too high for me. And I'm just going to confess to you that I, I really feel like that I'm attempting to exercise myself in matters too high for me. I, there are some very complex minds that can take massive amounts and details of information and see how they all connect between Daniel and Revelation. And I know that that is the key to Bible interpretation, okay? Current events is not the key. I, I'm okay with seeing a current event and saying, hey, I, I see that in the Bible. But Bible prophecy, what we need to focus on is what the Bible says. I, I know there are times when the Bible says something and we have to figure out what it means and its interpretation and what it's teaching. I understand that. But when... What we think the Bible is teaching, when we're uncertain about that, we can always just stick with what the Bible says, whether we fully understand it or not. And I'm going to confess to you here this morning, I am no expert in this area. But there are some things that I believe are very easy to understand. So let's read here in Daniel chapter number 7 and verse number 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon... Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. I remember when I first read that, when I didn't understand all of that. I'm seeing Daniel laying in bed and seeing this vision of his head. That's not what he's saying here. This is, he's having, this is going on in his mind. He's not actually, it's like a vision. He's not actually seeing it. Some of what John saw, he's literally been transported in time and space, and he's seeing it happening. But this is a vision that's going on in Daniel's head while he's in his bed. And he said, um, then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Verse 2, Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea. We see that in Revelation as well. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. Now, if you read the entire book of Daniel, you know that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, went through something very similar to this. He lost his mind when he took glory, the glory that only God deserved, and God took away his heart and his mind, and he became like a beast, and he started growing. His hair became like eagle's feathers, and he's wallowing around out in the pasture, eating like an ox. And eventually, after seven years, like Daniel had prophesied, like God had showed Daniel, he he put his Nebuchadnezzar's heart and mind back into him, and he stood up like a man. And in history, in archaeology, you know what the main symbol of the Babylonian Empire was? It was the lion. Now, if we have time, we'll we'll see a reference that. England also 
has had a lion for its symbolism. But you know what's interesting is that England has never had lions live in that area. They're not indigenous to England, but they were very indigenous to the area of Mesopotamia where Babylon is. And so we have a lion here. This represents the empire of Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian empire. Verse 5, and behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, And it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it, between the teeth of it, and they said, thus unto it, arise, devour much flesh. This is the Medo-Persian empire. This bear represents it. It's raised up on one side. The Persian empire was stronger than the, the, the Median empire. And so we see historical consistencies that we go from the Babylonian empire. And by the way, This is all referred to by Jesus Christ as the times of the Gentiles. All right? Before that, Israel was the chief of nations. Israel went into captivity. They lost their temple. They lost their Levitical sacrifice. They lost. There has not been a king, a descendant of David, to sit on the throne of Israel from the time of the Babylonian captivity to the present. And that's why God calls this time period the times of the Gentiles. Verse number 6, After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl, and the beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. And after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. Uh, Notice all the consistencies here between the image that Nebuchadnezzar saw and, of course, the, the fourth empire being the Roman Empire. Those legs were made of iron. This beast has iron teeth. Listen, I believe that this beast in Revelation 13 is certainly going to have a connection to the Roman Empire if not certainly to Rome. So it stamped with the residue with the feet of it and was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had, watch this, ten horns. Now, what Daniel saw in Revelation 7 is not identical to what John described coming up out of the sea as he stood upon the sand of the sea in Romans 14. But let me recap real quickly what Daniel saw. The first beast was the Babylonian Empire. The second was the Media Persian Empire. The third was the Grecian Empire under Alexander the Great. And the fourth was the Roman Empire. And of course, the leaders of the Roman Empire, we know the early ones as Caesars. And if I could just throw this in here with a question mark, after the Caesars came the popes. Now, in Revelation 13, we don't see four separate beasts like Daniel did. If you can go back there to Revelation 13. But one, we see one beast with all, not every single one, but each of the four beasts that Daniel saw, we see at least one of those 
um, descriptions, we find them composite in one beast in Revelation 13. But I'll tell you what's interesting is that the listing is in exactly the opposite order. Daniel 7, you have a lion-like beast, followed by a bear-like beast, followed by a leopard-like beast, followed by a dreadful beast with ten horns. Revelation 13, we have one beast, it's a composite, but notice that John describes it in the exact opposite order. A dreadful beast with seven heads and ten horns, slightly different than the beast in Daniel 7, followed by the body of a leopard, followed by the feet of a bear, followed by the mouth of a lion. Now, I don't know all of, I can't tell you every detail of every aspect of the symbolism that is given of these creatures. But I want to say this, that some of these I think are very, very plausible and worthy of consideration. Number one, leopards are yellow, white, and black. Yellow, white, and black is a representative of the different ethnicities of the human race. I believe that the Antichrist kingdom is going to be a multicultural conglomerate. Have you noticed in our lifetime that all of the different ethnicities, I'm not going to say races because we're all of the human race, but have you noticed the blending together of all the ethnicities? Not only, not only when it comes to biological DNA, but also all of the different cultural barriers. Do you remember, some of you remember the day where we could all make fun of each other, but we can't do that anymore? I, and I say each other. I used to make fun of myself. I mean, now, but nowadays being a White male American, I'm supposed to be ashamed of what I am. I, I, I think it's okay to make fun of ourselves, And I, I know we got to be careful today because, you know, we're trying to help people. And it's sad that people are so hypersensitive that they can't laugh at themselves. I used to say this. I don't say it anymore. I used to say, hey, I, I make fun of myself. That gives me the right to make fun of you. But the fact of the matter is, we know it to be so in all of human history. Has there ever been a time where the races are all coming together as one? It's just a fact. And I'm not saying, listen, I didn't even say anything whether that was good, bad, negative, or positive. It doesn't matter. It is. And this leopard is yellow and white, and has black spots. Leopards, as I just said, have spots or marks. And we're going to say more about that when we start talking about the mark of the beast. It's interesting. It's beyond interesting. It's beyond ironic. It is, I believe, providential. All the things in human history that are associated with this mark. 
Now, we're going to read, and most of you already know that the end of Revelation says that this mark of the beast is 666. And we're going to see the different things in human history and languages that words that end with the letter X, how that they are not a positive thing. You remember Judas, who is a, I believe, a pre-incarnate uh, Antichrist, Judas, Jesus said that have not I chosen 12 and one of you is a devil. When Judas died, the Bible says he went to his own place. He's referred to as the son of perdition. All of these are pictures of Judas's connection with the Antichrist. And how did Judas betray Jesus Christ? He betrayed him with a kiss. How do we represent kisses? We represent kisses with an X. Six, six, six. And by the way, those spots on a leopard in the Latin tongue, they're referred to, I believe, as a pox, P-O-X in the Latin language. So we're going to see more of that here in time to come, but it's beyond just coincidental. Uh, Number three, the bear is associated with Russia, And Russia, Gog and Magog in prophecy, is associated with communism and socialism. How is communism even still popular in the world today? Well, I think that it... Why is America becoming socialistic? I say becoming. The reality of it is, is we don't call ourselves socialistic, but we are socialistic. Shut down the federal government and find out whether we are socialistic or capitalistic. You'll find out just how socialistic the USA is by just shutting down the federal government for a few weeks. Lions have been symbolic not only of Babylon, and we find Babylon in Revelation 14, 16, 17, and 18, but also of the British Empire. You know, don't you find it interesting? The English language is kind of a conglomerate of all the different languages. What is the trade language of the world today? It's English. Listen, I'm not, I'm not teaching this or preaching this. I'm saying these are plausible symbolisms. And you know, when it comes to Babylon, Babylon is both commercial and religious. Now this much we know is the geographical location is really not the important thing. When we start talking about Babylon, I read in Revelation 2.13 that Jesus declared that Satan's seat at that time was in Pergamos. Pergamos is a city, a Greek city in modern-day Turkey, but it was a significant Greek city during the Roman Empire. What was this significant for? For religious reasons. That paganism of the Roman Empire, which if you study all of that out, you find all of these parallels in the symbolism of Rome and Catholicism. You ever thought about, we celebrate, and, and I'm glad that we, that we repackaged it into the 
resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what do we call it? We call it Easter. That's a pagan holiday. It's an English derivative of Ishtar, I-S-H-T-A-R, which is the goddess of fertility under the Babylonian religion. Once again, I'm not drawing these conclusions, but what I'm telling you is fact. It's history. You may not like it. You may judge what I'm saying, that it's inappropriate, it's unkind or judgmental. I'm just saying it is what it is. You can look it up. You can research it. It's just a fact. So, well, then why haven't I heard this before? Well, see, therein is the problem. I just don't want it to be my problem. Not long after the Emperor Constantine declared everyone Christians, the religious seat was moved to Rome. Roman Catholicism is full of Babylonian symbolisms. We will see later in Revelation that Babylon is described as a composite of political, commercial, and religious power and authority. We've seen the beginning of a global world in all of these categories in our lifetime. I'm almost done. This is my conclusion. Thank you for being patient with me. My conclusion is this, and I know that this is everyone's question. What part does the United States of America play in all this? Well, it remains to be seen. I don't know the answer to that. But I will say this, we should all be concerned. Can you imagine, I mean, could you even... Is Can we even believe what our nation has become in our lifetime compared to what our nation once was and what it was founded to be? Who would have thought that it would ever be that? At this point, I believe it's ethical to be careful not to draw many speculative conclusions. I would rather remain silent on a subject than to say something that is not true. Ask me, a preacher, what's, where's the USA in the Bible? You know what my answer is? I don't know. I, I don't know the answer. I don't know. I, there's a lot of things about the Antichrist that I don't know. I don't know what country he's going to come from. I know what the Bible calls him. I know some of the descriptive things about him, but I don't know who he's going to be. I don't know if he's alive today. I'm not saying that he's Elon Musk. I'm not saying that he is... Uh, Joe Biden, I'm not saying he's Obama, I'm not saying he's Donald Trump. Let's give every side fair, fair coverage here. I was beginning to wonder about Hillary Clinton. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the Bible says it's the man of sin, so I, I got over that one. So I'm not going to say something that's not true if I don't know it to be true. But I will say this, this is what matters the most of what we've heard here this morning. If you see a political system that appears to be good, but it is turning people away from Jesus Christ, then beware. And that's what socialism and communism does. And that is what the system in America is doing today. I'm not saying the American people, but the system, our education system. Some of you, you, you wouldn't even, you would be shocked if you knew 
what was being promoted in the education system right here in Iredale County. Sneaking in that LGBTQ agenda, having books available to kids in our county, nine-year-olds that give descriptive terms about homosexual actions, stuff that we don't even want our kids to know, and it's being in, it's, it's sneaking its way into our school system. Just like it's not sneaking its way in nationwide, it is in. Beware. If you see a religious system that appears to be of Christ, but it's pointing people away from Christ, then beware. You can talk about Christ all you want, but if you're teaching people that, well, religious works or you're saved by our church and our denomination, being a good person, that can be, appear to be good and you can call, you can talk about Christ all you want, but that's where the Antichrist works. If it's not leading people to Jesus Christ, it's not preaching the gospel and preaching the truth, then beware. If you see a commercial system that brings you prosperity but leads people away from Christ, beware. Yes, sir. We, we don't need Jesus in America today. We've got all that we need and all that we want. People from all over the world are flocking to get here so that they can enjoy our standard of living. And yet we are a nation that has basically said, God, we don't need you. Beware. All of these are the way that the Antichrist work. And I'll close with Second Thessalonians chapter number 2. I said we'd get back there. And I, and I do thank you for your patience here this morning. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And verse number 11. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. What we need to do here this morning is we need to know the Bible. We need to listen to the Bible, and we need to live the Bible. You'll see what you need to see when you need to see it. That's all I know to tell you here this morning. I don't have a bunch of podcasts and stuff from the internet and research and all of this current event stuff trying to make a connection so that we can sell a book or say, oh, that that preacher, he saw something that nobody else saw. We see enough that's clear. We need to know the Bible. We need to read the Bible and we need to live the Bible. Revelation 13, verse 8 through 9, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. The best way that you can protect yourself from this beast, this antichrist, is to get saved. Get your name written in the lamb's book of life. It's the only thing that will protect us from what's coming, perhaps maybe 
in our lifetime. 